Know your neighbor. It's not asking much. Simple, humane, and we'd like to think a logical approach. Welcome and thanks for joining us. Know Your Neighbor is a platform for constructive but brutally honest discussion on varying perspectives of race relations. Yes, it can often be viewed as complex, and to be fair, it probably is. We're approaching it in a simple way, by having a conversation about it, allowing perspectives that oppose our own, and listening to understand. The aim? To know your neighbor. This simple gesture should be better for us all. Hi, my name is Keenan Carlsa. I'm a South African currently living in the United Kingdom. Being outside of South Africa has actually just made me realize more how much I love it. How's it and welcome to all the listeners. Wandi Limatondo here, born and raised in President Mlazi, now living in Johannesburg. Trust you guys will enjoy the podcast. And I'm Aubrey Roo, a 32-year-old Afrikaans-speaking white guy living in Cape Town. Over the past 10 days, what obviously started in protesting former President Jacob Zuma's arrest, turned into rioting which then escalated into looting and eventually into like destruction of infrastructure and businesses and i think what's also become apparent in the kind of in the few days gone by is is also just the crumbling of kind of most basic service service delivery in south africa i think a, a good starting point we haven't spoken for quite a while and it'd be good just to hear how you guys doing Kenny, you obviously in in the UK so you're I feel very far removed from it being in Cape Town you even further removed but I know all of us have family people we care for um, friends we're still connected into communities in in South Africa so in some way or form this has affected or or touched each of us in different ways so yeah I I think maybe as a starting point just how how are you guys doing and um, and how has this affected you or the people close to you? I wasn't directly affected in terms of uh, being at any sort of real risk of uh, or in danger and whatnot, but it was more my, my grandmother and dad who are back home in Durban as they were directly affected through well, the lootings of, of all the surrounding little shops where they basically sort of are able to cover their day-to-day needs, be it bread or this or that. Um, it just so happens as well that my dad's got some health issues right now. Um, so he's doing a lot of visits to the clinics. But speaking to my grand this morning as well, I mean, they still haven't been able to move to sort of get him some medical attention. So she's sort of been self-treating him um, from home. I mean, I think the scariest point for me was Wednesday night, I think it was, where she called me around 11 p.m. She was mentioning that there were gunshots that they had been hearing since all the rioting started. I think it was Wednesday night where she called late saying there's knocks on the door. She responds, but no one says anything. They just keep knocking. At which point I also now got scared. You know, I mean, it's my grandmother and my dad who's like bed laden. um, So he can't even defend either of them, um, due to the stroke he had in 2010. So yeah, I think I was mentioning Zucchini now, it took me resting today to realize how fatigued I am, but I just think the whole week I haven't been able to sleep well due to just the the stress, you know. Um, even though I'd be in bed trying to sleep, I'd be waking up every couple of hours 
uh, and just very restless overall. The only impact on my end, I'd say, which is not entirely due to the riots and protests, but it started with the move to lockdown level four, is obviously just work has been very bad um, in the sales space, obviously. So you depend on clients sort of coming by to sort of generate business for you. And yeah, it's been very bad since we moved to level four. And now with what happened the past week, um, it was only worse, you know, that was quite my week summed up. Yeah, I mean, I suppose that that under any circumstances, this would have been a, a very scary, stressful, tough week for a country. But I think on layered on top of kind of what everyone has been going through over the past more than 18 months <laughs> with COVID, just uh, I think a lot of people, like you said, they kind of feel a little bit overwhelmed to an extent with kind of what, not just what the current is, but also just what the future holds. That in itself is also quite stressful. And and one day when you say things have stabilized, what does that mean? Have the rioters or looters just dissipated or is access to basics like bread? Because earlier when I was referring to those kind of things, I've heard bread, the price of bread, milk, the price of milk, medical supplies. And even I've heard that even though actually we were watching the one night on the news while there was a live broadcast, they were looting the bottom of a shopping center and then ran upstairs to the top of the shopping center where the blood bank was and physically watched how they broke down the doors of a blood bank to go and loot the blood bank. And I've heard that there's now severe blood shortages. So, I mean, what you would want to go and loot within a blood bank, I don't know. But yeah, so even those kind of basics are compromised. I come from a township called Mlazi, yeah, and we've literally got two shopping malls in the entire township. One is called Mega City, the other is called Guamnyand. Both these centers were wiped clean by the looters. Yeah, there's obviously going to be big repercussions there because all those retail spaces obviously employ a large portion of the people from the township. A lot of people get fed through um, these spaces. So I'm just scared to sort of see what all this means for us within a year from now as well, because whatever hunger that there's been, which has apparently supposedly caused the people to sort of act as they have, it's not about to get any better because of what's sort of happened. It's only going to be worse. So we can foresee crime increasing already in a relatively dangerous township, for example, very anxious. But yeah, I also managed to find bread in Johannesburg today. I actually went to the shops this afternoon. Um, the shelves are much fuller than they were when I went, I think, on Thursday last week or Wednesday. So was there like a legit rush, like, to get groceries? Because I heard there was, but I, was, I wasn't I was sure if it was like being overhyped. No, there was definitely, I could see, um, there was definitely sort of panic buying going on. You know, people lining up two sets of trolleys, 15 loaves of bread with one individual type of thing. Um, so yeah, but I think it was a bit drastic considering this belly lasted for about four days in terms of the food shortages and whatnot. So same with fuel. I, I put in a full tank on Wednesday as well, I think it was, because I got tipped by one of the petrol attendants saying that they've, um, all the trucks delivering fuel have been told to just park, uh, just to sort of avoid any risk and so forth. Yeah. So same thing at the petrol, when you went to the petrol station to fill up, it was just queues and queues on queues would have thought the world was coming to an end or something. Kenny, and and with you, I mean, you, it's I've, I've received so many messages from friends from abroad, 
um, saying, are you guys okay? What's happening? So, yeah, what has your experience been of it being abroad, but then having family this side? And, and also the, kind of how it's been portrayed in the UK and across the world. So for me, I think for the first time, it was actually difficult for me to, you know, say something about what's happening in South Africa without feeling conflicted and, and, and a bit hypocritical almost. Uh, because me, I'm a South African and I'm, I'm always going to like love my country and um, and always if I have something to say, I'm not going to be intimidated by people saying, no, you can't opine on what's happening in South Africa because you're not there anymore or whatever. But in this instance, I, I really did feel a bit conflicted to say something because for the first time, it's really a case of I want to comment on what's happening back home, but I'm literally sit, sitting in a in a safe environment and on my couch and uh, it's just a case of me having something to say but not feeling it as much because of course my my family as well as in the western cape and in the western cape uh, nothing really happened in terms of rioting looting it was really heartbreaking to see the scenes on uh, on tv and so forth of of the whole an entire mall being ransacked and completely being emptied so for me personally, it was a, re- a real a real low because I always tried to be, I, I am always optimistic about South Africa. Uh, but just in the moment, it was it was really emotional to see it um, playing out as it did. And if I'm 100% honest, uh, it's one of the first moments that I was thinking, wow, um, I still have ambitions to move back home again one day. Um, what am I going to be moving back to, you know? So um, for, the, for the first time, really... Uh, the thought crossed: Am I, am I in the, am I doing the right thing by going back home again, or, or am I just gonna like maybe put my family's uh, interests first, and you know not uh, try to be selfish with uh, with my own um, love for my country, and wanting to eventually one day live in South Africa, you know, but um, weighing everything up in terms of security, in terms of uh, prospects for my for my kids, all those kind of things. So. It was really a first, and I think it might be for many people as well. Uh, it could have been the same situation, and then for some, I know for a fact there's the the people that love to say "I told you so." Uh, you yeah. hear that a lot. Um, hey, they've been more than ever before in this time. You hear that a lot uh, on the, with with some of the expat groups and so forth. But still, man, uh, South Africa has once again just um, come back and shown me, like uh, the soul of South Africa is not destroyed. That minority of people, although it could have gone into the thousands of people that took part, right? But then again, there's hundreds of thousands of people that's come out and like um, said, this is not South Africa, this is not who we are. There's people who's come out and like said, we're going to build back together. I think, once again, South Africa is is in a low, but it's often in the, in the lowest of lows that the biggest opportunity comes. So I think for all of us, again, it's a, it's, it's a good opportunity for us to get back together as a country and, and just... um assess what we want to be as as South Africa. And I include myself in this now because I'm a South African who who is fully, fully uh, behind my country. And um, I just think it was very heartwarming to see after the shock of the first few days, um, how everyone got together and was like trying to, you know, put an end to this. The taxi association saying, listen, there's going to be no looting in the malls. We are going to be the ones that's protecting it because we understand if all the malls are being looted, uh, it's going to be a case that people are going to lose their jobs, which is going to lead to us not being able to make uh, a living for ourselves as well. So 
actually understanding the implications of 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 what all this rioting and looting and instability is uh, causing the economy. So um, yeah, even though I had that low, the country has once again shown me that um, the solo South Africa is not destroyed. That basically maybe just needs to be built back up again. If you can sit as far away as you as you are and you can feel that, I, I suppose that's a positive for for us who are feeling closer to it. Wandi, in in terms of your um, so so Kini's talking there about like a almost want to say like a, a spirited narrative that he's experiencing or feeling and seeing. Uh, I mean, you you've spoken about a couple of the kind of practicalities of what physically you've been experiencing and your family have been experiencing. But what is kind of the narrative in and around your community? And when I say your community, I, I mean colleagues, uh, friends, peers in Joburg, in, in KZN, like what are the different conversations that people are having and what is the general feeling out there? It kind of felt like people aren't in the space to really converse about the situation. I'm referring now to sort of my personal close friends. So I don't know if it was just nerves, but it just felt like everyone was on edge. So we actually haven't come together. I was the only people I've been in contact with regarding this on a regular is my family, specifically my dad and grandmother. Just, But I know what Keeney's talking about. Like I've got a couple of people in Durban who are sort of semi-influential and so forth. And I've seen, I've been seeing on their WhatsApp statuses, I think from Friday, how there was like a coming together of sorts where they were plugging in, gathering people, cleaning up the city, literally with brooms going around and just assisting and sort of rebuilding as they seem to call it. And I mean, that was really beautiful to see for me, you know? So I think that's the sort of one side of, of things. But on the other hand, the situation just exposed as well, how people are just ready to, use any sort of smoke to kind of create or recreate fires of the past, you know, because these riots supposedly initially started because of Zuma getting imprisoned. So it then now extended to looting, which obviously is a form of protest. And initially you would have thought if there's looting, maybe people are looting to sort of feed themselves or this or that. But based on some of the footage that I saw on social media, of the looting you could just tell some people are literally just doing this to take part for them it's almost very like much like comedy you know and then at the same time things sort of grew to a space where i was starting to see racial abuse come up now again it was and tribalism sort of becoming a thing and a factor where mm-hmm. certain races are now sort of not allowing blacks into certain spaces or vice versa um and this and that so it was just really disheartening to sort of see all of that and how this very broad, this thing turned out to be very broad, having started out having been a very sort of straight line, if I can call it that. Um, But I think people just saw the opportunity to just kind of bring about their own agendas back into play and then just make the most of that, which isn't great. Yeah. And and let's, let's talk quite, um, candidly and, and openly about that. Um, what are some of those? So when you're saying racial kind of conversation, tribal conversation, et cetera, like what, what are some of the physical, practical? Because I know, I mean, I've had friends in the past few weeks message me from out of South Africa saying, thanks for 
the conversations you guys are having on Know Your Neighbor. We think it's great. So I think assuming that people don't know the narratives and, and very, there's very big chance that, you know, I don't even know what you're talking about when you're saying that. So what, what were some of those examples of, of incidents that you came across? Please take everything I say with a pinch of salt because it is social media. There was something about Phoenix, which is a very sort of, it's, part, it's in Durban, which is a very Indian part of Durban. Um, I saw some videos of um, guys driving around with um, with guns. As they were driving, if they were to spot a black person, they would literally sort of fire at them, you know, with bullets literally shooting them. And I, I don't enjoy watching content like that. So I don't usually finish those videos when I see them. As soon as a gun is fired or this or that, that's kind of when I usually close. But then I think the following day, I, I saw more content now where some Zulus had gathered together to sort of retaliate um, on these Phoenix Indians type of thing. Uh, and then the same for sure. different parts of KZN where there were white people basically parking their cars on the road, almost like barricading access for whoever they sort of not choosing to allow into their space or whatever. Uh, and then mm. apparently without any, without being attacked or anything, um, they shot at a vehicle which had a black family in it. It was a dad, uh, some lady, and a little kid. The boy probably looked like he was 10 years old, thereabouts. Fortunately, they just hit the rear windshield of the vehicle. Uh, no one was hurt in that, but now already there was a scuffle there, unprovoked, it seems, uh, but just purely because of race. And then I saw sort of images circulating of, I think it was in Polito or Mshanga in Durban, where I don't know how true it is, but apparently... Black people weren't allowed to enter uh, this, that spa in uh, in Durban, obviously because majority blacks were sort of behind the looting. So it sort of became now a thing of no black can enter the space type of thing, almost like the whites were protecting their their store, so to speak. So it's just it's things like that, you know, it's things like that that sort of kept kept popping up, which once again now are sort of taking away from what this riot was initially all about, you know? If I can just um, jump in there quickly, I think um, definitely the case of, like, the racial profiling is a, is a, is a bad thing. Uh, and that was also one of my biggest um, fears um, coming from this whole thing because um, I also saw the scenes on the news and on um, some social media clips how people were barricading and guarding their communities. And I thought if it comes to a situation where, you know... Um, one person shoots someone and, and kills the wrong person and this, uh, the, the wrong type of guy that shot or whatever, then this could like spill over into big racial conflict almost. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I was, I, I was really concerned about that thing happening. And I also saw the reports about Phoenix and the, the racial profiling that no blacks could basically enter the, the, the community or if someone just um, drove around and uh, people would like, you know, chase them away and those kind of things. So from that perspective, I think that was um, really bad to see. And it just once again highlights that um, we do still need to uh, do more as a as a South African community to stamp out that kind of behavior from uh, from certain groups of people. But also what I just want to throw in there, Wendy, um, you said earlier, you know, um, the looting was a part of the protest. I, I honestly don't agree with that. Because I think um, you can protest, all South Africans have the right to protest, but 
once you start looting, then you start uh, doing a crime. So um, I think protest is fine, but looting and, and taking people's possessions as, as a form of protest is, is not right. It's just crime. No, for sure, 100%. And, but I, I'm absolutely against what's happened with the looting. Because um, yeah. more so because, like I said, I've seen videos where people were just sort of seemingly looting just for the fun of it, you know, where yeah. you wind up in, a, if, if people are winding up in stores and taking actual food um, that they were sort of going to be able to take back to their homes and feed the family, you know, and as much as I don't agree with it and I don't condone it, I I can kind of come to a point of understanding why it has to get there. But like I'm saying, for I think a vast majority, it was just literally a matter of fun and games and just taking yeah. part in whatever is going on. Yeah, I think um, we we don't know facts and all those kind of things, but um, as the president also was saying, there is people behind this. And I think um, part of the aim of this in general was just to cause as much instability as possible. And um, they definitely succeeded in that, but uh, definitely those people need to be need to be apprehended and uh, pay for what they, what, what, what they did, man, because, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's crazy. Even like what Abe was saying, you know, um, what are you doing at a blood bank? Yeah, exactly. Absolutely zero purpose in that. He's just like causing havoc. That's it. I mean, I'm just listening to what you're saying, Wendy, about people kind of guarding their own communities. And I think it is a, uh, I'm not saying it's it's right. As humans, we do tend to go to our own when we feel threatened. You know, you feel comfortable in your own home, in your own community, where there's kind of less uncertainty. So that is already a natural tendency within us. I'm not saying that makes it right. I, I know of instances very close to me. This isn't fake news. I know that has been said that this is fake news, but it's not because I know people who directly told me that they were told, shoot people if they felt threatened by the police. So the word out there is that, that is, that's fake news, but I know people who have been told to do that. It's terrible. I mean, Nelson Mandela said, I heard someone use this quote in this week, that violence just creates more violence. And I think that's the most dangerous part of this whole thing is, you know, one person shoots exactly what you're saying earlier, Wendy. One person shoots at one person and uh, to, at another person ends up killing them. And now that whole um, racial narrative just escalates to the next level and now different people from different backgrounds start attacking each other and basically that would be warfare essentially so yeah I'm, I'm not saying that's good and i'm not saying that we kind of go back to what feels comfortable to us you know our own communities etc so i'm not saying either of those things are are um good but what does end up happening is these thing these small little things end up adding up and just escalates stuff. Um, and as much as those things are kind of fuses, I think, and we need to chat later on also a little bit about like, how do we defuse these things? Because just as those are things that kind of escalate, there must be ways to de-escalate these things. And having the conversations often makes me feel like I'm defusing. So I think there's, validity and just having conversations with people that are not from the same background of you as yours and speak the same language and the same culture just my my thought on the on the communities basically protecting themselves i think um not 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 speaking for it or anything but i 
just um, from trying to understand from the position that those people came from. If you see the police being overrun and basically not being able to protect malls and all those kind of things, I think the only um, natural thing to do is to is to basically try to organize yourself and to defend your own community. So just seeing it in the light of people didn't know what, what was going to happen next. And uh, and I think just that fear, you know, um, will 100%, will 100% um, cause people to protect themselves at all costs, you know. And and yes, uh, there, there, there would be people that's um, a bit hot-headed about these things and that can make the wrong decisions in, in that kind of situation. I, I just think like also the, the fact that the police could basically not protect all the communities that it needed to was a big factor that played into that. And let's be honest, that is scary. Very scary. That is, I mean, even if you, pre this happening, had to say to someone of any, I mean, I was listening to SAFM the other day, and it was people from somewhere up in the north, and they were calling in and, and kind of talking to a mayor who was who was on the line, and they were saying how they never see police and there's stuff that happens in their community and the police aren't there. So it was inevitable that when there was this volume of people that the police weren't be, being able to stand up. But if you tell most people, you know, if there's this mass attack that happens, the police won't be able to control it. Even the initial kind of numbers of military that they sent in wouldn't wasn't able to kind of de-escalate stuff so that that in itself is scary and then you you add the layer of telling just from a basic service delivery perspective i think you say to people oh you pay tax every single month for those basics but yet we can't actually deliver those basics that just takes people's fury to a next level and certainly i mean that that's a large part of the narrative that's that's kind of lingering around in between people that that I know is just keen in what you were saying earlier is those who have already left the country are saying, thank goodness I did. And others that are, have kind of been sitting on the fence are going, well, this is my, this is my time to leave. And I, I'm not leaving, but I can understand where that comes from. It is really frustrating to pay the tax that we pay in South Africa and you don't feel safe. And things aren't being maintained and and majority of that tax money is supposed to be going to uplift i mean in south africa we pay the tax we pay not because our service delivery is so good we pay it because because it's meant to undo the wrongs of the past that is one of the reasons why i pay that tax i mean other than it being law but what i mean is that I feel okay about paying that tax because I'm like, okay, we're busy. We're supposed to be fixing things that were done incorrectly in the past. But then when it isn't and there is looting of our own government and state uh, enterprises and then this stuff happens, then, I mean, I do understand why people get frustrated and want to leave the country. And, I mean, I, I was kind of called up to an extent by some of my friends this week because they're like, well, you're the generally the eternal optimist and the person who always sees the kind of bright side and things like, tell me what the bright side in this whole thing is because they can't see us rebuilding. They're like, they, we can't. We're already so indebted because of COVID, even pre-COVID with the whole Zuma looting administration. Then COVID happened and now there's this 
kind of knock in confidence. They're like, we'll never recover. And it is quite hard when you do start clutching it, like, oh, well, how do we fix this? And unfortunately, you know, I, I'm a big fan of Cyril Ramaphosa in general, but it is it was hard to listen to his last speech <laughs> because you're like, yes, Hebrew, let's just, let's get, let's build then if we're going to build, but let's stop talking, you know, and yeah, anyway. So it, it gets it, it becomes tough to remain positive, um, but in saying that, I'm not leaving. <laughs>